And I think you have to find something that you love in common. And sometimes as a parent, you might not love it as much as your kid, but you might love it enough that you can sit there and do it. Like I've watched series with one of my kids, no interest, but it was so bonding. Like it was such a nice thing. She'd be like, okay, are we going to watch an episode tonight? And it it was great. It wasn't my first choice of, of content, but she loved it. And I wanted to spend some time with her. So if you have a kid who really loves gaming, maybe learn that game with them, ask them to teach you, which is such a great thing to ask our kids to teach us things we don't know. Or you might really start to understand, like when you say it's time for dinner and the kid can't pull themselves away, you might have this deeper appreciation of how the game is set up to keep you in there and that how hard it is to pull yourself away as opposed to just thinking your kid's a jerk. Hello, hello, blissful parents out there. Michelle Abraham, your host. I am so excited today. I have Susan Borison with me here today. And let me just first say hi to Susan, and then I'll tell you some more about her. Hey, Susan, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So let me tell you guys a little bit more about Susan. So Susan's a mom of five grown-up kids, and she spent decades with experience in parenting and lots of wisdom to share with us today. She's the founder and editor of Your Teen Magazine, which has been around for the last 14 years. And it's a great resource. I've been checking it out online. And she's also the podcast host of Your Teen with Sue and Steph. And I think that's a really great uh, way to start this conversation, Sue. Susan, with uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about how you got started uh, with wanting to be like an expert in the parenting space, and especially for teens. So, what me? What's the story behind how this all started for you? Well, the story is that my oldest was hitting adolescence, and um, I had practiced law before I had kids, and I didn't want to go back to that. And I was watching my kids get older, thinking, okay, well, what will be next? Um, And in the back of my mind was this feeling that I had relied on so many wonderful resources when my kids were younger, and they just didn't feel like they were there for me as my oldest was hitting adolescence. And I also felt like it was really hard to share with friends. Like it's super easy to talk about your kid not sleeping when they're little or, you know, toilet training or all these things that are very objectively not your problem. Um, And adolescence starts to be a time where it feels really vulnerable to go out on a limb and say to somebody, my kid hates me and I don't know how to handle this and feeling lonely about that and not knowing where to turn. So my goal, and and to this day, my goal is not to be an expert on parenting, but to find really extraordinary experts in parenting who completely change your life. And it happens every day for me. Um, And I'm since this started, I would say everybody who works for your team and feedback we get from people who are just in our sphere, it, it, it has changed our relationship with our kids and the way we parent so deeply and so thankfully. Well, I love that. I mean, thank you so much for doing what you do because I think there's such a huge need. And I love how you put that. It's so true. When our kids are young, we love talking about all the things that they're doing and not doing and the milestones that they're not reaching. But as they get older, I think there's a lot more bigger emotions involved for both the parent and the and the kids. And you know, a lot of our audience of blissful parenting here today are school-age kids, but as those school-age kids are starting to get closer to those teens, are there some things that us as parents now can do to kind of prepare ourselves for those years? Um, I, I, I think that we all benefit from having some knowledge about what's to come. And there are some real things that happen to every kid 
when they hit middle school. And actually, I mean, I think parents are seeing it younger and younger because, you know, you say to somebody, oh, your kid's only like eight. Well, you'll need this soon. And they're like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure I need it now. Right. Like yeah. the snark is showing up earlier, the insolence, kind of like the the um, I'm my own boss of me is yeah. earlier than it ever was. Um, but there's some real things that I think knowing can calm us down when it happens. Mm-hmm. My biggest one, and I have three girls and it happened earlier for girls than boys, the, the friendship started to fracture mm-hmm. when they were in like sixth grade, fifth and sixth grade. Uh, and I had, I did, I anticipated these friendships as lifelong friendships. I became friends with their parents, our social life revolved around it. And all I knew was this, this perfect little story of like best friends and, and, you know, four girls that are all best friends. And all of a sudden there was, there was tension between them and it felt devastating to me in a way that might not have even been as devastating for my kid. And so by the time the third kid, the third girl was entering fifth or sixth grade, I said to the teacher at school, do you kind of know what's going to happen this year socially for these kids? She said, of course I do. It's the same every year. So I said, well, somehow we have to tell parents so that they're not walking into a situation. I mean, it feels almost like your world is collapsing. Now, my kids, I, I never really asked the older one if she was feeling devastated because I was imposing my own feeling of loss on her, which is terrible, just terrible. But I didn't know it was happening to anyone else. I really thought it was happening to my kid and it was like catastrophized to such a big scale. And then, you know, by the third time I was like, oh yeah, bummer, it happens. So what I felt like at the time with the third kid is, wouldn't it have been nice to know this and to anticipate this and to be able to say to the first kid, bummer, this happens. Like it, you, it will get better. And it, guess what happens to everyone right now? You feel like you're super special, but it really does happen. It's important. It happens now. It's actually developmentally appropriate that you test different hats. And are you going to be the the mean girl today? Are you going to be the nice girl today? Like who you can't decide how you're going to be in this world without testing different kinds of temperaments and personnel and, and like interactions and, and just who am I? And sometimes you even can remember if you reflect on the time where you did something not so nice to somebody and it felt yucky, like it felt like I don't want to be that, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't try it. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to like take one moment in time and say that kid is never going to be that or always going to be this. We could just look at it as like, these are test days. Every day is a test day of who I'm going to be and what clothes I'm going to wear. And if I'm going to try makeup or not try makeup. Wow. That was a long answer to that question. I love it though. Like that's (laughs) such a good way of putting it in. Yeah. That would be nice for parents to know if the teachers can see that happening. So there you go. So parents, we've been warned that that age. And as you were saying that, I was like, I was in grade six and that happened to me too, actually. And I was friends with my soccer friends and I was friends with the cool girls at school. And then they said I had to choose between my soccer friends and them. And I chose my soccer friends. So I was like, you're going to make me choose. See ya. <laughs> and I remember my whole life changed <laughs> that day <laughs> from then 
point on, I was no longer cool. And that's it. I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's amazing how that, that is such a pivotal, pivotal year in, in kids' lives. And I and we remember days. forever. We remember, yeah, those, I remember those, very right. clearly. But the one that thing one. that's your story, I think is really important to share because it's, it's very instructive for parents that um, you see that if you'd only had one group, if you'd only mm-hmm. been restricted to like one friend or one group and it doesn't work out, you're alone. But because yeah. you teetered a few different worlds, mm-hmm. you had a safety net when one of them said, you're either here or there, right? So yeah. that's a really good thing for parents to encourage their kids to do, to kind of like get involved in a few different things. Mm-hmm. So not you're not relying on only one social life. Mm, yeah, that's a really great point. And I remember too, in um, just being involved in sports or girl guides or girl scouts and other activities outside of just friend group at school. I think that was really helpful for me as a teenager. Cause then when we went to high school, I had friends that were coming into the same high school from different elementary schools too. That was, um, I think that's, a, that's something I think is overlooked a little bit. And, you know, my kids are growing up in a really small town, so we're really going to have to really try to get out of our, our little bubble <laughs> a little bit more. But I think uh, that's something that I hadn't really thought about until we were just talking about it now that uh, it's true. I think that really was very helpful having a different, different sets of friends. Are there any other things that you think that, you know, looking back now would be really helpful for parents to kind of know? I mean, I think the whole, there's like a huge conversation going on about failure and how important it is to let our kids fail. Um, and I, I kind of feel like Wendy Mogul, who's this amazing psychologist, wrote a book called Blessings of a Skin Knee and Blessings of a B Minus. And what I love so much about it is we're not talking about failure. Like if you hear the word failure, you could think, I really have to let my kid go down that path, just keep going lower and lower and lower. But it's not. What it is, is letting our kids try something and not being the best at it. It's a B minus, it's a skin knee. And if we like, when we talk about failure as a society, I feel like it's sending such a really weird message. Like how about trying? Like if we, cause if we allow kids to try, they're not going to always do it the best or even love it. But we, we don't have to keep saying, well, they tried that and they failed. We could say they tried piano they didn't love it so much, right? Like it wasn't their thing. Um, and so I, I kind of wish we would reframe this whole conversation about letting them fail. I think it comes from a really good place, like back off this helicopter parenting didn't work out so well, but we're still in their lives and we're still necessary and we're still safety nets for them. So making sure that we don't like wash our hands, we don't hand a kid a, a car, right? Like we have to be there helping them be safe on that car. We should be doing the same thing with technology. We don't hand them a phone. We also want to work through that. So I think just kind of thinking about how, um, where are the places that safety is really overwhelming and you need to insert yourself and where are the places where a B minus is going to be just fine. Hmm. That's a great point. I've noticed, um, I've noticed a lot of kids these days, they, they don't really want to try until they know they're going to be good at it. How would you approach? Uh, how would you approach that situation? I mean, they're stuck. They're in a really bad place. Like we have social media, we have an internet that everything lives on. And so, on the one hand, we're saying, don't ever do anything stupid on your computer because it will live there forever and it could ruin your life. Right? Like we go down that path because, in some ways, we worry that it might be true. Um, 
But on the other hand, how do they grow up? I mean, none of us are perfect. None of us are even going to attain perfection. We're just going to keep trying as humans to do it better than we did it the day before. And I, you know, I, I know that there are consequences. There's this one story about college where these kids got into Harvard and they had a private group where they were um, sharing jokes with each other that kept getting more and more inappropriate and they lost their spots. They actually like it became public and they lost their spots and, and it was really devastating for them. We did things like that. We didn't have the same large consequences because there was no World Wide web. Yeah, you know, like, there's no Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Think about the things that you wouldn't want publicized that our kids are out there, even not necessarily themselves making a decision, but you could be at a party with friends and someone else takes a video. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they have, they have to be more grown up than we did. Like yeah. they really have to understand consequences in a way that's not like they're not wired to understand it. And we weren't asked to understand it. Yeah. So how do we navigate that as parents then in like supporting them through something that we haven't lived ourselves, right? I think it's, we're coming up on a lot of things like that right now in our world where we didn't go through it as kids. So it's like, how do we then support our kids going through it? I mean, I think experts tell us all the time, listen a lot, be curious, talk less, listen a lot. And like, if your kids are going somewhere that are making you nervous, ask them what they enjoy about it. Ask them why it's important to them. Like try to really be like kind of a partner in the story. Not like our, our parents, we grew up in a time where maybe it was more top down in the, you know, this is not allowed in our house. We will not tolerate this, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And um, kids have a lot more kind of, there's no um, be seen and not heard ever. Like there's none of that here right now. And so we have to adjust the way we interact with them and look at them as people developing every single day and being curious is like really one of the, that's one of my favorite things that experts say, because you can see the shift in the kid when you approach it that way, when you approach it with hand me your phone, I'm taking it away for a month. You have a kid who hates you. When you say to your kid, can we sit talk and talk about why I think the phone is getting in the way of something? It's entirely different. Yeah, the, it, it just comes across so differently too, and I think we're and received so differently through from the kids too. So, on you guys have a lot of courses that you have teaching and uh, have available. What's your favorite one to share with parents? Oh wow, that is so hard. <laughs> I don't know that I have a, a favorite one. I know that um, every time we do one we walk away with the feeling that if only every parent would take this or watch this or read this, like we just mm. have this feeling we, we're really um, good at vetting great information. We don't put stuff out there that we really don't want parents to, to consider deeply. Mm. And so it's just, it just makes you a better parent. It really just does to think about parenting differently and have people, professionals, experts giving you suggestions now, we, we've put out a lot of different pieces of advice from varying experts, and they're not all going to resonate with you. Like you mm -hmm. might hear somebody and go like, oh. but then the next day you might hear somebody and go, wow, that I can do. And it, this is like one of my favorite things, because I had a situation with one of my kids where, you know, I had the benefit of having access to all these experts. So I, right. called, <laughs> yeah. I called one of them and I said, first of all, I was like, you've got to see my kid. She's crazy. 
And then she said, okay, tell me what happened. And then I said, okay, you've got to see me because I'm crazy. Um, (laughs) And it was most definitely better for the parent to get the advice than for the kid, because I had a terrible reaction to something that happened also. Um, Anyway, I I can't remember. I lost my train of thought because I was outing my kid on her story. (laughs) But um, that's okay. But one of the things that I saw very quickly was that as this expert was telling me um, language to use and almost telling me the scenario, which, by the way, worked out to the word, um, my reaction was, I can't say those things. Mm. Um, And so her response, this wonderful expert said, well, you know, you can make it your own words, but I'm telling you, this is like an approach. And I thought, well, not right away, by the way, I didn't think this right away, but I had this, this moment where I thought I have had a terrible interaction with a kid. I'm not happy with the way I dealt with it. I call an expert for advice. And then I tell her, I can't use those words. So I thought, well, maybe if I'm looking for something new, maybe I should just try what she's telling me. And even though it didn't feel natural, it worked. It worked so well. And I, and the truth is it didn't feel natural because I was used to doing it differently. And if I wanted that change, I also had to be open to trying something different. (laughs) So I do often feel like when people say things and and parents say, well, I could never say that. It's like, well, maybe just try it. Just see. You're not making a lifetime commitment. You could say that didn't work, you know? Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. It's interesting. So I feel like it's like, there's a whole smorgasbord of experts out there and like some you'll resonate with some not and some, the one, maybe if you don't resonate with them now, you will, when that time comes and you're in that situation. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to share with some of our parents, some of the types of courses you guys have over there too. So I think they're really great there. I'm just going to read a couple of names of them because they're um, kind of different than ones I've seen out and around. Um, teens and gaming, there's the truth about teens and vaping, teen sleep secrets, teen screens and the whole tech scene, uh, the disorganized student, the defiant teenager, how to improve sibling relationships and raising a safe teen driver for life, and my daughter in miss in middle school. So those are all really awesome uh, courses. Hope you don't mind me reading some of them out, but I think they might intrigue some of our um, parent listeners out there as to, you know, something that might resonate with them right now and go, oh, I'd like to go read up on that or take that course before we get to that situation, just to kind of be aware of what's coming up. I know my nine-year-old keeps asking for a phone and I'm like, I don't even know what the situation is with phones these days as to when that's appropriate, when it's not. <laughs> so I saw one that caught my eye on there for sure. Yeah. I mean, cell phones are the biggest cha- change in our lives in raising our kids. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I can remember a time when I didn't have a cell phone. I mean, I actually, this was from so, college. <laughs> yeah. So my oldest got her first smartphone in college, but um, it just came up recently. Like, uh, my alma mater for law school is doing a program and they invited current students and alumni and you have to use your email. Well, I went to law school before there were emails. I don't have an alumni email. <laughs> it's so funny. That's funny. Yeah. I, I was saying this the other day to a friend that my son thinks it's so funny that I'm older than Google. <laughs> so, yes, I am older than Google. <laughs> Things are a lot different these days. That's funny. That is very funny. Yeah, it is funny. So um, yeah, I just love what you guys are up to. And I think that's so, it's so important. Like, I think there's so much like funny things around teen years that like people have made us parents feel fearful of these years. What are some of the best things that you've experienced through the teen years with your kids? 
Um, I think there's a lot of joy there. I think there's so much confusion. Um, and this, this, the statements that people make about like, oh, I wish I had a two-year-old again. I mean, it is scary because we're, we are so afraid of what bad behavior, however you define that in your family could lead to like every concept, every behavior can be kind of mapped out through their college years and posts. They will, you know, forever be what they were in middle school. And it's, it's not true. We know that's not true. We know we continue to change and grow, but it's really driven from so much fear. If your kid treats you horribly, you're like, I have an awful child. <laughs> now your teen is probably at some point going to treat you awfully. And if you can gird yourself and have some armor and say, it's so not about me, like we are, no matter what goes on in these kids' lives, we, we are their people. And it's a huge responsibility because sometimes they're really going to test us. Like, I don't want to be your person. I don't yeah. like you right this now. This on you right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but if we aren't there for them, I mean, it's such a hard lesson because sometimes mm-hmm. you're, you're suffering and your wounds have to really be pushed down to rise up to be like what our kids need from us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say like, it's hard to imagine someone who hasn't been in that position and felt that way. Where you worked, even with younger kids, you know, you put so much into it and then they, they say, you know, like you're driving them three hours to go to somewhere and they don't want to do it. And it's like, well, I just cleared my whole day for you. I just made all these arrangements for you and it's infuriating. Right. And it, and life continues that way where, you know, we have expectations from our kids and they disappoint us. Um, They're, they're just mean to us, you know, or they get hurt and we deeply feel their hurt. There's a lot going on here but there's also a lot of joy. I mean, these teenagers, I I know it sounds so ridiculous to say teenagers today, but they are deeper thinkers than anything I was when I was a teenager. Like they are worried about the world. They are activists at such a young age. Like it's, it's crazy what I thought about in high school and middle school and what kids today are thinking about. (laughs) Yeah. They have got a lot of, a lot of issues in the world that they need to start thinking about or responsibilities. It seems even like with just with what we're talking about with social media, like that, having that responsibility is huge um, as to what, you know, that could change the courses of your life, you know, depending on what you post on there today to 10 years from now. Right. Yeah. There's just so many things happening in their lives that uh, is so different than when we were, than when we were kids for sure. I was just listening to Ed Sheeran on um, armchair expert deck shepherds podcast. And um, he was saying how, you know, the problem with the phone, the, the uh, camera on the phone Mm -hmm. is that you have an image of yourself. Like when you're younger and you do something you actually can feel yourself being great at it, right? And maybe you weren't as great as you thought, but in your mind and your family hopefully is telling you you were great, but now we record it. And so (laughs) now you can look at it and go, oh, I wasn't as great as I thought I was. But we need those first experiences of feeling confident and great and, and just all empowered to go on and keep doing what we were doing. And so, you know, we have, it's like hard. It's really hard for these kids. Yeah. 
Yeah. So many things going on for them. Wow. Um, oh gosh, there's so many things, so many places I want to go with this conversation. Uh, I want to um, go back to a little bit about, you know, the joyfulness in this time and age with the kids and like, what are some of the best ways that parents can like, you know, maybe like not be so uptight and panicked. And I loved what you were saying about being like their partner in this and, and not this hierarchy that are used to be. So any other tips or advices around that particular way of like the relationship that you have with your kids and how to keep it strong throughout these years? I mean, I think you have to find something that you love in common. And sometimes as a parent, you might not love it as much as your kid, but you might love it enough that you can sit there and do it. Like I've watched series with one of my kids that like no interest, but it was so bonding. Like it was such a nice thing. She'd be like, okay, are we going to watch an episode tonight? And it it was great. It wasn't my first choice of of content, but she loved it. And I wanted to spend some time with her. So I I think, um, you know, having with each of your kids, things that you really enjoy doing together. If you have a gamer, that's a great way to kind of understand the like the the um, pulling of the your kid toward that game and how hard it is to pull away from it. Mm-hmm. So if you have a kid who really loves gaming, maybe learn that game with them. Ask them to teach you, which is such a great thing to ask our kids to teach us things mm-hmm. we don't know. And then you know, play with them. You might get really into it, or you might really start to understand. Like when you say it's time for dinner, and the kid can't pull themselves away, you might have this deeper appreciation of how the game is set up to keep you in there and that how hard it is to pull yourself away as opposed to just thinking your kid's a jerk, right? How many times do I have to call him and fight with him to tell him to come in from the game, you know, for dinner? Yeah. I was, um, I was getting some lessons on Roblox from, um, my kids the other day in Minecraft. And I'm like, this thing hurts my eyes. Like, I, like, I don't think my brain is used to this kind of like movements. And like, it was so interesting how I think their, their brain must be so different than how ours were. Cause it's just like, it's so many different, like, it's just a weird, the weird thing to look at. Uh, with some of well, so you're, brains. you're feeling sensory overload and they're yeah. feeling completely engaged, right? Like they're, Yeah. It's interesting. So interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, So, so many great things that happen for teens over these years and kids going into their teens and, you know, being parents, I think, you know, I'm not sure if if you, what you would suggest for parents going into those years with their kids, but I feel like it all comes back to like how we are handling ourselves and our own personal growth and our own personal development. But like, I feel like what would be supportive for parents in this, these ages and any ages really of parenting is um, having some, having some time to really like learn who you are and really get grounded in your own person too, before then you have to go and navigate being a parent (laughs) to some hormonal children (laughs) through those years. Well, that's, I mean, the joke about adolescence is that the moms are often simultaneously going through menopause. So the the match of teenage hormones and menopause is, um, you know, it's interesting. Interesting. That's so fun. I love it. So uh, Susan, where can we send people to find out more about your podcast? Tell us what your favorite episode has been that you've, uh, that you've recorded. And, uh, and then also what your favorite, a couple of favorite episodes, uh, articles on your teen magazine uh, for us to go check out. Okay, so you can go to yourteenmag.com, your teen, T E N, mag, as in magazine.com. Now, we used to have a print magazine, but we, um, we shuttered that and, and now everything's online. 
Um, and then <clears throat> you can find our podcast, your team with Sue and Steph on any, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Um, and then favorite podcasts, you know, um, we just had this conversation with our podcast producer and, um, she brought up one that we did a while ago that I loved so much. And I, I love the conversation about higher ed when people are talking about no, like kind of taking it down a lot of notches and, and showing how, where you go just isn't going to be the thing that defines the rest of your life. So Paul Tuff wrote a book about higher ed that, um, and, and I really love him. I love interviewing him. So that was one of my favorite podcasts, Wendy Mogul, really one of my favorite. Um, and there've just been so many and we're, we are so lucky that we live in a time where you can reach out to people and they say yes. And I feel lucky every day when I do that, when I, you know, hear about a new book or watch someone's webinar and think, well, maybe we could get them on and yeah, they come on. It's so excellent. Um, and then in terms of, well, so one pod, one, one um, podcast interview was with a woman who's, she's a pediatrician and her daughter is trans and she's a huge advocate. And she goes around speaking about how, she, how terrible she was when her daughter told her, like, she just wasn't prepared. She didn't believe it. She thought it was a fad and she wants to be out there telling other parents that this is hard and you might not get it right at first, but there's room for repair. And by the way, that's true for all of parenting, most yeah. forgiving profession, just practice saying, I'm sorry. Um, and, but she's that's out good. there. That's good for your parent, your kids to hear that too. Yeah. It's great modeling, but it also, it is also just a really powerful tool anyway. So our, our um, podcast producer is much younger and she didn't like the episode so much. And um, with this mom, because she felt like the mom was making it about her and it should, and, and it should be the mom making about the daughter. And because of our age gap, I totally understood where she was coming from. My kids would have said the same thing. We are doing our podcast for parents. And what we want parents to see is that we don't always get it right the first time. In fact, we often don't get it time, get it right for the, at the first time and the second time, but we keep trying. And um, so this mom is such an example of like, not quite understanding it, not quite getting it, and then coming to terms with it, and then going to the top of every mountain she can find to talk about this and to change people's hearts and minds. Mm. So I thought that was really interesting how the age changed the perception of that. Yeah. Um, and then we have an article that is about hugging, hugging your teen. Um, and, you know, kids will be like this and they'll pull away and, and it doesn't have to be like a frontal full flown, full blown hug, but it's, it's an article where an expert said, you need to touch your kids. Like all kids need to feel their parents love, and it could be walking by and touching their hair, whatever. So, and one of the uh, women who works for us, um, when she read the article, it just annoyed her so much. And it continues to be one of our most popular articles. And so now we, you know, we have this constant joke, like, guess which article is doing really well? <laughs> That's awesome. No, does she, does it annoy her because she's got a different opinion about, about what that, what the article content was? She, she thought it was too structured, mm. like actually telling parents how many times a day in, in right. almost a formulaic way. But I think the article, what the article is sharing with us as parents is 
you know, you don't have to check. You don't have to like go into your room and start every day with like what I don't remember the number, let's say seven times. You don't have to go check a box, but keep in mind that somehow having physical contact, positive physical contact with your teens is important to their development and to their sense of feeling loved. Even when it feels like they're retreating from you, mm-hmm. kind of all the more so you want to make sure that uh, you can't really push me away. I'm still here. So you walk by and you touch their shoulder or you, you know, you do whatever ways you can show your affection for your kid. Mm-hmm. If they're not interested in like, <laughs> come over here and give me a huge blow, you know, yeah. hug. that's so cute. I love that. So great. Oh my gosh. So many great, so many great things. And, you know, I think what you've left us with is like a sign of some hope and some excitement for these years to come for our parents that are just, you know, in the school age kids, phase still and looking forward to the adolescence where I think there's so much fear out there for parents around these ages. It's not so scary. You've really helped us really see that it's not so scary. It can be a wonderful and joyful time, not just all crazy hormones and anger and, and, and battling against parents, right? So thank you, Susan, for what you do. I love what you're up to. And guys, if you want to get some more great information, go check out your teenmag.com and your teen with Susan and stuff podcast. And there's lots of great content over there. So Susan, any last words for our parents out there today? Well, I want to tell you one more research. We have a parents group, which is the kindest place on Facebook. People are so supportive. Um, and it is, you, uh, I'm going to have to give it to you so you could put it on there. No but problem. It's, um, working hard to raise teens is what mm, it's called. Okay. Um, and it's private. You have to get into it. Uh, it's easy to get into Um, but I really, I'm so grateful for that space because if someone comes on there asking for help, they get really a lot of parents coming on there in that, not in the expert way, but in the parent to parent way of saying, I had it, this is how it worked in my family, which I think is so great. And the other thing I want to say is, um, Facebook and Instagram are your self-esteem enemy when it comes to raising teenagers, because you have the potential to look at their family photos and vacation, other people's vacation photos and say, Every family is having more fun than we are. And it's not true. They have the same struggles and they have the same joy. And we have to really just keep in our lane, understand that whatever we're going through right now, someone else is going through the same thing and um, find the moments of joy. Awesome. I love that. And again, the Facebook group was working hard to raise teens Facebook group. So make sure you guys go check it out. Thank you, Susan, for being with us today. Blissful parents, go out there and have an amazing week and uh, try some of those things Susan was talking about and go read some articles, go listen to some podcast episodes and get excited for those years to come. Don't be fearful of them at all. (laughs) See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.